something different you have to remember to do something else to get it back on normal oh well live and learn it's a Friday folks we wrap up the week today 69 degrees outside headed to 84 And today, a free-for-all. I think the whole week's been that this week. Those of you that have uh, plans to do uh, some, uh, you know, yard maintenance and things like that, be aware. Tomorrow, Saturday, they, they are mentioning... There's the possibility of some light rain. Sunday, rain showers. And Monday, thunderstorms. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, again, light rain. So you better get it done uh, today or tomorrow, right? Yes. And a little precipitation in the forecast. While my family was in town for our memorial service for my wife, uh, the fellows were out front, and they sawed off some dead limbs off of, um, it was something I forget what uh, type of tree that is, but it's one of my favorites. Anyway, they did some pruning, but heavy-duty heavy style. I have a stack. They drug out into the back of my yard, and I've got to knock it all down into reasonable pieces for the uh, the fire pit and you know what I mean? Yeah, that sort of thing. Elm tree, oak tree. No, it's um. Oh, shut up! It has tiny leaves on it. Willow tree, maple. No, 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 no. Ash. I'm just banging I know. out a few of them. Yeah. Um. Oh, oh my memory. Um. It's coming. <laughs> anyway. It's wonderful because it's one of those li- the types of trees that the leaves are so small, when they do fall off in the fall, you don't have to rake them. They just sort of disappear. Yeah, they kind of get absorbed into the soil, into the ground, yeah. back into nature. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, good morning, folks. Welcome. It is the uh, 15th day. We're halfway through the month of July already. Someone's trying to reach me from California. I'll ignore um let's see here so on this day of july 15th it is national give something away day um it's a it's a sad thing but it's also (coughs) what is often done and that is to have the, um, the gals in my family go through my wife's clothes and then uh, 
take them to be reused by, um, you know, uh, reuse or new to you or goodwill or whatever it might be, right? Yeah. I think she would like that. Well, I think she would appreciate somebody. Yeah. And of course, there's a the few use. things that we didn't. Part of course. And scarves and purses were given away to uh, members of the family and things like that. But uh, anyway, today, National Give Something Away Day. It's National Gummy Worm Day. Now, I have once in a while enjoyed a CBD gummy. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't think I've ever had a National Gummy Worm. Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Um, that's just candy, right? Yeah, the right. chewable, like uh, squiggly fruit, fruity. Yeah. Candy. Well, gummy, anyway, gummy, gummy, gummy worms. Yeah, like a waxy type candy. National Pet Fire Safety Day. That's Why, a good one. Yes, it is. You know. With, uh, I don't mean to overly to talk about this too much, but with the passing of my wife, life is much different at my home. And I tell you, if it weren't for Hope and Foley, I think it would be far more complicated. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't think you can speak of that enough. Yeah. You know, about what, what pets mean to you especially at this time yep. you know what they mean to what they've meant to our family so national growing up. pet fire safety day could you dig into that one just a bit oh yeah i mean you know we we talk about having a, a plan for escape from a fire in a house you know a family plan okay you get together where you know that you bring the bring the kids together right. the family and say if this happens then you go here we need to all meet here uh right. when you when you plan out that that fire route or route national pet fire safety day on july 15th reminds us to consider our pets when planning fire routes or routes and safety in our homes uh pet fire safety tips include Obviously, extinguish open flames. Pets are curious, and uh, wagging tails haphazardly sometimes will knock over candles. Mm. Curious kitties will paw at sizzling grease, quickly sending a kitchen up in flames. Remove knobs from the stove. When not in use, they will not accidentally get turned on. I saw a video of a dog doing that, uh, not well, just recently, actually, where it it was tall enough, it stood up on the uh, the stove, which was a gas stove, yep. and you know was pawing at at the stove trying to get something. It turned on the gas and the flames, of course, and ignited the kitchen. Well, I've I've never seen our animals do anything like that, but I'm sure there are some that are more curious than others. Yep, yep. and. Um, and we do have a gas stove and all. And they also go on to say, consider flameless candles for ambiance and backup lighting in the event of a power outage. Replace glass water bowls with metal or plastic. 
outside on wooden decks, they can heat up and actually start a fire. Have you ever done that with a magnifying glass? Oh, okay, yeah. Where you where you hold it still? Yeah. On like a leaf or a piece of paper? If you get it at just the right distance, it focuses it. And then you can easily, it's, it's almost like starting a match. Yes, it is. It becomes combustible because mm-hmm. of the light passing through that magnifying glass. It generates that heat that's needed to spark that flame. <laughs> you know, I was looking at something last night, or I guess it was the night before. But the print was so small, I really needed a magnifying glass. And it's hard to find one when you don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. When you need one. Yes, it's like finding that tool that you need for a specific fixture or something like that or trying to find something in your kitchen drawer that you need for cooking or grilling or whatever. You're like, where did I put that? I know it's in there somewhere. It was on a a label of some kind, and it was a phone number that I wanted to call the company. And I, I could barely read it and i in fact i guessed at a couple numbers and i guessed correctly but anyway a magnifying glass yeah all right let's see now here's a couple more uh if you want these store leashes and collars near the entrance of your home yep went away have your pets in the main living area for easy rescue and secure young pets went away from home this can help avoid fire hazards uh, fire alert window clings help firefighters identify the room your pets are located and identify the number of pets in your home. Have you ever seen those stickers on a door? I've seen or them on window? windows. Yes. Yeah. Uh, add one to the window of the room. You keep your pets when you're away. Keep it updated with the number of pets residing with you and your current phone number. Have a plan when you are home. Know which family members will be responsible for each pet. Well, all of that's really common sense. Yes. Okay, let's see. Let's move on. So, National Pet Fire Safety Day today. National I Love Horses Day. Okay. My sister, Carol, Carol Lambert. Of course, before she was married, it was Carol Palmer. But, uh, you know, Carol and Bob did move to Athens. They helped me with the station, and Carol was a teacher and things like that. And many people knew them that, frankly, I didn't get to know. Uh, they, they were very well known and thought of. Okay, they're both gone now. When I first have a recollection of my youth, My sister owned a horse, and it was Lady. That was the the horse's name, Lady. And Lady lived, and this was when we were on North High Street, um, just north of Worthington. And the next door property were the Murphys. And they had a nice barn. And uh, as neighbors, they allowed um, 
Carol to keep Lady in their barn. But uh, the properties were so close, it was like just one place. It wasn't like a long walk to the barn or anything. And um, there were times I was asked to go over and feed it because Carol had a class that, you know, she was 14 years older than I am and went to Ohio Wesleyan in Delaware and um, so sometimes I had the duties and Lady and I became close and later on there was another horse in the barn I don't recall who owned it but it became a friend of mine too do you remember the name of that horse no I'm I just Lady well just just uh, Carol's horse Lady yeah but uh, we would ride sometimes together. Sometimes we'd each ride alone. But we did have a fire in that field, and we got the horses to a safe place. It did not get to the, the barn, but I remember scurrying about to take care of that, and I think I was probably eight or nine years of age. Anyway, horses. Things, things like that stick out in your memory, don't they? Final thing I have to mention for this date of July 15th is National Tapioca Pudding Day. Folks, I will have to admit, I have never met a tapioca I like. <laughs> same here. <laughs> is that the same? Yes. I thought, I thought you were going to say you're nuts. No. Well, you might be, but not about tapioca. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I think it's the texture for me. Yeah, you got little chunks and then... Yeah, little granules of pudding. something. Yeah. I don't know what it is, or like coconut granules, or... I, I don't know what they are. It's kind of like... I, I, I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me because of the texture of it. Whenever I hear uh, that some restaurant or something has tapioca tonight, I go, why? <laughs> yeah. Or uh, I go, um, not for me. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay with cheesecake. <laughs> yeah, or chocolate pudding, please. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Mac uh, and cheese. Friday edition, as we mentioned. Hey, I have a question for you. Quest away. Are you ready? I don't know. With our national days we just completed there, okay. yesterday being National Nude Day, not to parlay this into that, anything, but I was just curious how, how you celebrated that yesterday. I was thinking maybe you could have gotten out on your tractor, your lawnmower, <laughs> <laughs> in the front. No. <laughs> and people look at you funny and say, what? It's National Nude Day. No. <laughs> The best I can say is I took a shower. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> not, not that everyone's really interested in how we celebrated <laughs> that, but <laughs> we can. Yeah, we can. We can move on. I just thought maybe you might enjoy a ride on the tractor. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's Friday. Yes. Thank goodness. 
Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> historical events. On free-for-alls, we often talk to you about things that happened on this or that date over the years. The year was 1099. The city of Jerusalem is captured and plundered by Christian forces during um, that period which they called the First Crusade. Thirteen eighty one, the year John Ball, a leader in the Peasants' Revolt, is hung and drawn and quartered in the presence of Richard the Second of England. Mercy. Okay, hung, drawn, and quartered. I don't want to get overly graphic, but specifically what does that mean? Well I, Do they I, have horses that pull the body into pieces? Yeah. I mean, that's... Is that the drawn bit? Yep. And then, yeah, not to be gross, but chopped up afterwards into quarters. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, isn't it bad enough that... I mean, well, once he's done, dead, why all the rest? Yeah. Well, in today's society, yes, we question that. But back then, in those barbaric times, yeah. Okay, now we go to 1410 A.D., the Battle of Grunwald. The first Battle of Tannenberg, the Battle of Zalgiris, there I got it out, which they go on to say one of medieval Europe's largest battles during the Poland-Lithuanian-Teutonic Wars. The Polish king, Władysław Gagieto, that's my best effort on that one, and Lithuanian Grand Duke Vytautas defeat Teutonic Ulrich von Youngingen. That yeah. was a tough one. Yeah. We jump ahead 300 and some years. The Rosetta Stone is found in the Egyptian village. The year, by the way, 1799. The Rosetta Stone is found in the Egyptian village of Rosetta by French Captain Pierre Francois Bouchard during. Napoleon's Egyptian campaign. 1955, by the time we're now alive, 18 Nobel laureates signed the Maynau Declaration against nuclear weapons. And then not too long after that, it was co-signed by 34 more laureates. Help me with the pronunciation. Maynau, Maynau, M-A-I-N-A-U, which was the Declaration Against Nuclear Weapons. Am I close? Uh, I think so. Okay. M-A-I-N-A-U? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Maynau, or <coughs> Maynau. Well, we got close some enough. birthdays. Uh, I'm sorry. Close enough. I suppose so. Actually, when I looked it up, it referred to an island. Um, 
You mean where the signatures took place? Yeah, apparently so. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. It's an island in Lake Constance, maintained as a garden island and a model of excellent environmental practices in the Germany area. Okay, we've got some famous birthdays to mention. Um, I'm not why, I don't know why I say this, but they're oddly all four of them women. And uh, <coughs> three of them are still alive. So let's first talk with Emmeline Pankhurst. P-A-N-K-H-U-R-S-T. She em was born in 1858. She passed in 1928. But she was born on this day in 1858. Emmeline Pankhurst was an English political activist. She is best remembered for organizing the UK suffragette movement mm -hmm. and helping women win the right to vote. Cool. In the photo I have here, she has a very certain stoic and, um, like, she has a plan. You know, she she knows what she wants to do. Determination. Yeah, that, that, that's it. That's it. Okay, now we'll take the oldest first of these three last people, and uh, all of whom are living. So, Ariana Huffington, she's celebrating, no, that's, I got it backwards. The first one I want to mention is Jocelyn Bell Burnell, celebrating her 79th birthday today. Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Dame Susan Jocelyn Bell Burnell is an astrophysicist from Northern Ireland who, as a postgraduate student, discovered the first radio pulsars in 1967. Hmm. The discovery eventually earned the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1974. However, she was not one of the prize's recipients. Too bad. Yeah. Okay, the next oldest, and again, still living, uh, celebrating her birthday today is Linda Ronstadt. She's 76 today. Wow. Yeah. Hard to see that time has passed. Yeah. She is a retired American singer who performed and recorded in diverse genres, including rock, country, light opera, and Latin. She has earned 11 Grammy Awards, three American Music Awards, two Academy of Country Music Awards, an Emmy Award, and an Alma Award. All of those uh, quite notable in our industry. And the last one celebrating her 72nd birthday is Ariana Huffington. I think I mentioned her first by mistake, but then corrected myself. She's 72 today. Ariana Huffington. Ariana Stasinopoulos Huffington is a Greek-American author, syndicated columnist, and businesswoman. She is a co-founder of the Huffington Post. How about that? That's a interesting publication. I, I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I don't think I know it. Tell me about it. 
Um, it is, you know, a lot like uh, one of the non-national media, although it is a national publication, mm-hmm. kind of like the Federalist, uh, something like that. Um, and I, as an example, I can think of right now. Um, so she's she expresses positions. She does. Yes. Okay. And which, how would you describe her positions? Um, liberal. I would say I conservative. I'd say leaning toward the conservative okay. side. Um, either, yeah, she. I, I I would say middle of the road. But if I had to go one way or the other, uh, conservative. Okay. Um, she's also the founder and CEO of Thrive Global, and the author of fifteen books. Some of her books include Thrive, the Third Metric. The Sleep Revolution Transformation and On Becoming Fearless, and also one book in 2018 titled Only Thrive. You reminded me of something that happened last night. I was going through a stack of books as uh, I'm trying to put the house uh, into a little better order, at least by my standards. And I came across a very unusual book. It's very small. And um, in a very odd um, fabric on its cover and everything. And I got to looking at it, and it's written by Margaret Allen. Margaret Allen was one of my mentors during my lifetime in music and in um, she was a professor at Berea College. I think some of you that may have listened to my show for many years have heard me mention that for 13 summers I spent two weeks each summer in Berea up at her home, which was on a mountain peak, where she had all sorts of little cabins for her guests, and there was generally about 60 or 65 guests stayed for those two weeks, this music camp. And this was such an unusual book, and it's all handwritten. And yet it was published in mass, Not a large mass, but I really have the intention of going and looking through that this weekend. Oh, well. Cool. Okay, famous deaths. Here's another update on Huffington Post that may, (coughs) excuse me, may explain a little bit better. It's it's like an alternative news platform and a blog with localized and international editions. Uh, This site offers news, satire, blogs. And original content and covers politics, business, and entertainment. So it's like an alternative news site. So there's a little bit more about the okay. Huffington Post. And Huffington is um, published where? Uh, on the website, online. Okay, but I mean... I don't know if there's an actual hard copy of it. No, 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 I mean... Oh, the the website? No, the city. Well, this... Oh, New York, okay. New York City. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <clears throat> and its uh, URL is huffpost.com. 
All right, two famous deaths to mention. One is uh, quite a long time ago. <laughs> Ponce de Leon. Juan <laughs> Ponce de Leon. 1460, his birth. But he died on this date in 1521. Juan Ponce de Leon was a Spanish explorer and conquistador known for leading the first official European expedition to Florida and for serving as the first governor of Puerto Rico. And he was born in uh, Spain in 1474. Have you visited Puerto Rico? I have not. I recommend it. Sounds nice. I think I've heard from so many people who have visited there, like you now, and some friends of mine who played baseball there. They said they just, they really loved it. Boy, it was destroyed, though, by that hurricane a few years ago. I like Cuba. Yeah, I know you do. Um, I know you've said that anyway, that you would like to check it out. Folks, quit calling me. (laughs) One was an important call. The other's not. Okay, Anton Chekhov. C-E-A-C-C-H-E-K-H-O-V. He was born um, in 1860, but he died on this date in 1904, the, the year my dad was born. Anton Pavlovich Chekhov was a Russian playwright and short story writer who is considered to be one of the greatest writers of all time. His career as a playwright produced four classics, and his best short stories are held in high esteem by writers and critics. And some of his plays include The Cherry Orchard of 1904, The Seagull from 1896, Uncle Vanya from 1898, and Three Sisters from 1901. Well, we have uh, 17 minutes left in today's program and this week's uh, showing of the uh, Party Line program. Um, I'm going to the New York Times now. And... Um, The lead item they have is America's homelessness crisis is getting worse. They go on saying a housing shortfall. America's homelessness problem has the makings of an acute crisis. Shelters across the U.S. are reporting a surge in people looking for help with wait lists doubling or tripling in recent months. The number of homeless people outside of shelters is also probably rising, experts say. Some of them live in encampments, which have popped up in parks and other public places in major cities from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. to Seattle's. All of this since the pandemic began. Well, what, what, what's making it worse? Inflation. It's compounding the problem. Rent has increased at its fastest rate since 1986, putting houses and apartments out of reach for more Americans. This crisis means more people do not know where they will sleep tonight. Living in the streets, people are exposed to more crime, violence, weather, 
and, of course, extreme heat. They can lose their job in the chaos of homelessness. And they often struggle to find another one without access to the Internet or a mailing address. Here's a guy by the name of Ivan Perez who says, There's a certain posture that you take when you are homeless. This reporter who lives in a tent in Los Angeles told the Times you lose your dignity. Well, he did it for the experience and to get the feeling. But in his case, he can go back to a normal life, whatever normal might be. Going on, homelessness has become a particularly bad political problem for the Democrats who govern big cities where that stuff is most visible. It has played a role in recent elections, like the recall of San Francisco's district attorney last month. More Americans now say they worry a great deal about homelessness compared with the years before the pandemic. The origins of the current homelessness crisis go back decades to policies that stopped the U.S. from building enough housing, experts said. Seven million extremely low-income renters cannot get affordable homes, according to the National Low-Income Housing Coalition. So, what does that lead to? supply, and demand. No factor matters more to homelessness than access to housing. Poverty, mental illness, addiction, and other issues do play roles, but they are less significant. Many cities and states in the Midwest and South, for example, have higher rates of mental illness, poverty, or addiction than other parts of the U.S but they have similar or lower rates of homelessness. <sighs> what a mess. Housing researchers use the example of musical chairs. Imagine there are ten people for nine chairs. One person weighed down by poor health does not make it to a chair. It is the problem that person's poor health I'm sorry, is it the problem of that person's poor health or the lack of chairs? It's both, isn't it? Yes. Homelessness, then, is a supply and demand problem. Without enough housing, not everyone has a place to live. And the homes that do exist cost more as people compete for limited supply. So more people are priced out and more end up homeless. Well, we could go on and on on this. There's lots of information. But if you uh, go to the website for the New York Times, to their morning report, you can see um, much more about it. Okay. 
I'm going to really be dumb here for a minute, and I need your help, Scott. Okay, I'll try to be dumb too then. Uh, no. Oh, okay. okay. Maybe not. I was somewhere the other day, and there was a lot of discussion about Joe Manchin. Senator Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm really feeling like I'm admitting to a lot of stupidity here. Well, you've had a lot of other things going on, too, that okay. <clears throat> occupy your time and Senator Manchin, what state does he represent? West Virginia. Okay. He's a former governor of West Virginia. Does he, would he be cons- considered a, a, a conservative or a, um, oh, shucks, what's the other term? Liberal. Liberal, thank you. Um. It depends on what's going on, I think, from, from uh, issues that I observed, have observed that he has voted on in the Senate. Uh, sometimes, recently, he's been siding with the Republican side in the Senate on certain votes. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, other times he votes, you know, he sides with the Democratic side. And the Democrats in the Senate have become uh, a little bit more noticing of his vote that sways the majority at times, you know, because the, so he's, the, the he's, Senate is kind of split down the middle with a Democrat advantage. The, the Senate, the House, and, of course, the presidency are all occupied by the Democratic majority. But Senator Manchin has voted to sway uh, a couple things to the Republican efforts. Okay. And some people think that he would make a very fine president. I see. And I'm not sure if that's on the horizon for Senator Manchin. He's a uh, very successful businessman in the state of West Virginia. Uh, thus, he became governor there. He turned the economic status of West Virginia, he turned that around and actually made it a profitable state and ended with surplus in budgets a few times because of his business background and uh, doing what he thought felt was right for the people of West Virginia. And a lot of times he's mentioned that, too, that the way he votes, he votes with what will benefit the people of West Virginia. For instance, the issue about environmental issues that are going on from the main industry in West Virginia of coal. And he recognizes that there are a lot of jobs in the coal mining industry in West Virginia, which uh, recently the courts sided with uh, West Virginia coal industry to allow them to produce the type of coal that they are producing in a nutshell. Okay, so let's end that one. Um, I just turned the page here, and I see that Donald Trump's first wife died. Yes, Ivana. She was 73. It's a young age anymore. How how old is Donald? I think he's 76. Okay. Well, there was someone I knew that... um, 
for the life of me, I'm having a little trouble coming up with his name, but he worked directly with Donald Trump in his hotel industry. And um, whoever it was, I got the impression that they thought he was a terrific hotel operator. But they didn't completely agree with him politically, which is an interesting point. All right, let's put this thing away. It's the end of the week. We've got three minutes left. I gave you a weird document this morning, <laughs> and um, I don't know if you've had a, had a chance to pick out a couple of things in here, but these are puns. You know the term pun? Um, and, and maybe just in doing a few, you'll if you don't know the term, you'll learn it really quickly. So, Scott, did you find anything... That it in there that tripped you trigger. Um, yeah, there were a couple in here that I noticed. One, the first one starts out with a doctor talking to a patient named David. The doctor says, "Calm down, David. This is a very simple procedure." And David says, "I'm not David." The doctor says, "I know. I'm David." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now, I, 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 I'm ashamed to admit this, but I watch uh, sometimes uh, going to sleep the pimple popper <laughs> or my feet are killing me or one of those type of shows, right? Or the weight loss guy. Um, what is that on Channel 12, I think? The TLC channel, Learning Channel, I think it I is. I think it is. Um. Once in a while, the doctors are a little nervous about what they're about to do, and um, but they they're very professional. Um, anyway, I, I could just see the one of them saying uh, to themselves, "Calm down, David." <laughs> you know, and the patient says, "I'm not David." <laughs> <laughs> Doctor says, "Yeah, I uh, know. That's me." <laughs> okay, go on. Okay, here's another one. I make money by selling simple sandwiches. It's my bread and, and butter. butter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a simple question from a six-year-old son to his father. The six-year-old says, a meteorite is a small meteor, right? <laughs> Full credit to his son. He will truly make a great dad someday. <laughs> simple solution to... The fear of darkness. Just close your eyes and pretend it's not there. It's not there. <laughs> 30 seconds or so. All right. Uh, let's see real quickly here. Actually, more like 20. Okay. Well, go ahead and we'll finish it up then. We'll, we'll pick these out some other time. Okay. Finish well, folks, quick. we want you to have a marvelous weekend out there. Remember, uh, rain is likely tomorrow and particularly on Sunday. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Steve Dorsey in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. 
President Biden will land here after making an historic flight, the first for a U.S. president between Israel and Saudi Arabia, as the Islamic Kingdom opens its airspace to all civilian airlines. It follows a visit to the West Bank this morning where President Biden reaffirmed the U.S. commitment to separate states for Palestine and Israel. Two states for two people. President Biden is due to meet with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman today. He's the powerful de facto ruler of the country that U.S. intelligence agencies say ordered the killing of Washington Post writer Jamal Khashoggi. As a candidate, Mr. Biden had pledged to make Saudi Arabia a pariah. I'm Steve Dorsey in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Now with more CBS News, here's correspondent Deborah Rodriguez in New York. An autopsy by the Akron, Ohio medical examiner shows Jalen Walker was shot or grazed 46 times by police last month. Walker, a 25-year-old black man, was trying to run away during a chase. Hundreds of people turned out for his funeral this week. The mayor confirms Akron officers have stopped wearing name tags because of threats they're receiving. In Georgia's second largest school district... Mr. Scamahorn. Despite chance of delay the vote, officials in Cobb County approved a policy that allows some employees who are not certified police officers to carry guns in schools. This parent is opposed. How are our children who are already traumatized by the news of other elementary schools supposed to know that someone on school who they see as armed is safe if they are not a school resource officer? Teachers there cannot be armed. The Secret Service categorically denies a watchdog's claims. It intentionally deleted text messages from January 5th and 6th, 2020, the day of the Capitol attack. Correspondent Nicole Killian is on Capitol Hill. The Secret Service says before an investigation was launched, it reset its phones as part of a system migration that resulted in some data being lost. An agency official adds it has turned over more than 786,000 emails and 7,000 text chats related to January 6th. U.S. shoppers spending more last month. Retail sales were up 1% as inflation reached new record highs. CBS News Business.